hello and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Raziel and this is where I get to talk about sports. I get to talk about business and I get to talk about everything in between. I have my good friend Chris Amuller here today. He's the CEO and founder of FanWord. He also played tennis at Nebraska. He was a two-time bronze medalist as a coach for the German national team at World Championships and was even a German national champion for tennis himself. Chris, how are you doing today, man? Fantastic. Thanks for having me, Michael. Glad to be here. Please, man. The pleasure is all mine. And so, Chris, I'm very excited for the conversation to see how you've grown your company, what you've done and how you've done it. But the first question I have for everybody on the For the Love of Sports podcast is, why do you love sports so much? Um, Yeah, I mean, I guess I just grew up around it, to be honest with you. So um, started getting into tennis when I was like five years old. So I guess I never really known a life without sports and and you know thinking back whether it's you know from from my time as an athlete or as a coach or or you know fan as of today but um some of my best memories stem from from sports and and some of my best friends are are you know friends from sports and then whether those are former teammates or, or rivals even or, or whatever else but um yeah i just think it's it's you know, for me, it's, it's, it's my life. It's that it, it's, you know, defined my life in so many ways. And, and without sports, I would have never, you know, came over here to the U S either. And, 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 you know, probably never started my own business. So, um, a lot of the best things in my life can, can be, you know, contributed back to, to sports. So, yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. That story and kind of, again, how you've been able to take advantage of the situation and what you've done and what you've been uh, not given, but what you've taken, what you've earned and be able to put it forward. And as you said, I mean, you came over here to play sports, um, came to Nebraska. I'll be honest. If anyone went to Nebraska, I had to assume it was for football, but it was obviously not for football. As we said, it was for tennis. Um, where does, where does tennis, uh, is that just something that was in your family? Was it something that you picked up young? I mean, it's kind of like swinging a baseball bat, just a little more running than baseball, I guess. Where did, where did yeah. the love of tennis come from? A little bit more control too sometimes I would bit. assume, but um, no, I mean, I had an older brother who was playing um, more so as a hobby than anything else. And, and my dad was also playing, you know, just for the fun of it, nothing ever, you know, competitively or, or professionally by any means. But when I was six years old, they, they took me with them. Um, probably one of those days where they didn't know what else to do with the young kids. So um, took me with them and, and, um, I started playing or, or, or hitting a tennis ball a little bit. And then a coach approached us and, and probably just wanted to make some, some money and said, hey, your, your son looks like you have some talent and, and good eye-hand coordination and stuff. So you should take some tennis lessons. And um, before I knew it, I was I was in, you know, having some lessons with him. And, yeah, it just took off from there, to be honest. Yeah. Here we are. You're your six-year-old son. I can see him being a prodigy. Maybe you should let me coach him a little bit. I like that. But hey, it worked out. Yeah. It worked out. Yeah, it worked out. Here. Yeah. I mean, it got you here today, man. I mean, if there's anywhere on planet Earth you'd rather be, I'm sure it's not with me. So um, you, know, <laughs> you, you, you made it to the top, man. You absolutely made it to the Appreciate top. Appreciate it. That part's important. But, not entirely, okay. but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But no, I'm, I'm excited to get to talk to you a little bit about that. And we're going to sure. weave the tennis aspect of the conversation in because I think it's a really interesting way of looking at it. Because again, you know, here in America, when we think of sports, first is baseball or football, basketball, and then hockey, you know, comes in fourth. I mean, obviously, soccer is now on the rise. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of other stuff going on. I mean, we love golf here. We do love tennis as well with the U.S. Open just happening. I go to the U.S. tennis. I have been at least the last couple of years. Absolutely mm-hmm. love it there. Unfortunately, couldn't go this year. But it's just, I mean, there's so many different sports. But when we think of sports, for whatever reason, we think of the major four. 
right? Mm-hmm. And it's it's football, it's NFL, and then it's also college football on top of that. You coming from a, a place like Nebraska, I'm sure uh, it's yeah. it's college football and then NFL. But talk to me about FanWord a little bit. Um, you know, I think it's a really interesting company that you've been able to, as you said, you started, you're the founder, you're the CEO, you're the creator of it. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of had a diff- couple different iterations along the way. So I guess just tell yeah. me, what is FanWord right now? Yeah, so I mean, if I had to do, to define it, um, what it is today, we like to to describe it as a as a full service storytelling agency, um, and we're all about uh, humanizing brands and helping them essentially, you know, reach their objectives by leveraging their very own stories and bringing their stories to life. So we're very heavily driven on you know the storytelling piece and and you know again the humanization piece and. Um, in the in the sports world, we, we often like to use the the example of the Players Tribune, and just kind of picture uh, this type of content as a service um, for individual athletic departments, for teams, for for leagues, for conferences, trying to to bring their favorite athletes or their athletes, their coaches, their alumni, their staff members, their fans, kind of closer together uh, and build that personal you know human connection um, between each other a little bit more. And then yeah, um, obviously you know. Um, Big goal is always to 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 boost the strategic objective, whether it's for for fan engagement purposes, for for sales or fundraising purposes, for recruiting purposes. That kind of changes the narrative a little bit as far as uh, in which format we tell these stories, uh, who the storytellers are, what the stories are about, how and where they're presented, how we go about distributing that, which is you know all coming together and, and is part of what we do. So it's really not just we're we're not just content creators. And then hey, here's the content. Good luck. We really like to be on it from from a you know strategic angle and, and really support all the individual stages and steps along the way and you know as I said help with the strategic piece behind it and then the distribution piece the the presentation piece and everything that kind of comes with that yeah yeah and I think that part is very important the the, the strategy behind it right because anyone can buy an yeah. eighty dollar microphone off Amazon get a streamer <laughs> account for twenty bucks and yeah. you know look look at me now I'm a, I'm a content creator right but it, it's I think it's the strategy behind it that I that I'm really mm-hmm. interested in. And understanding, you know, how you've been able to develop this side of the business, because right again, mm-hmm. you, you have the ability to talk. You, you're a very mm-hmm. personal guy. You have some charisma. Hey, you're a personality, right? That was easy. Hey, sure. you, you finished it. But very nice. I like it. <laughs> how did you? I guess where where along the way? And I know again, this this it's, it's had a couple different iterations. What did mm-hmm. FanWord kind of start out as originally? Before yep. we started using buzzwords like storytelling and and get content place, you know, how did, what, what was it before we realized what it could be and what it has become? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and maybe just you know, for context, I'll give you a quick backstory. But the idea for the company really came from my time as a student athlete. Actually, um, I, I, for the lack of a better word, I'm not sure if, if, if frustrated is the right word, but I'm using it anyways. Um, I was a little bit frustrated that that you know all the attention really went to football and basketball in college. Completely understood why that was the case. I, I love football. I love basketball. But I just always, exactly. I mean, I, I just always felt like at least that, that there were so many athletes and so many sports and schools and teams that did phenomenal things but didn't necessarily get the recognition that I felt like they deserved. Um, and that was really what sparked the idea back in the day. What can I do to bring that spotlight uh, to some of these folks and, 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 and again, teams and schools and, and, and teams? Uh, sports and and at first when we started the 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 goal was to solve this uh with a social networking app that essentially allowed users to say hey i'm a fan of 
Nebraska football, Nebraska track and field, Ohio State wrestling, Michigan State volleyball, uh, San Diego State women's soccer, and, and really, you know, based on their preferences, then had their own news feed, their own uh, schedules and scores feed, their own rankings feed, um, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, and that was really what, we, what we've built for the first two years. And, and um, that's how we wanted to solve that, right, kind of by combining these things. And, and um, I ran into pretty much every challenge and, and, and probably also made every mistake uh, a first-time entrepreneur does. Um, and, and it was just an incredibly tough journey. We ended up developing the app. We brought it to market. We launched it. Uh, people were really liking it. It worked well, but we had a poor business model. We, we didn't really have a path to, to revenue, um, or at least not with the resources that we had. Um, we kind of knew how we wanted to get there, but doing it is a whole different challenge. And um, as a way to promote the app, we started telling these stories of athletes and um, the goal was to, you know, especially tell these stories of, again, lesser known athletes, maybe, um, but then bring people, you know, to, to kind of build awareness and then, you know, get them to download the app and use it and et cetera, et cetera. Um, and what we realized was, A, people loved those stories. Uh, they loved the content that we produced. B, it didn't translate to, to app downloads because what we were offering on the app was very different than, you know, that type of content. Um, and, you know, a couple of other things, but all of this combined essentially led us to kind of look into, hey, what about we actually pursue this in a different way? And now when I when I look back, I mean, if you recall, like the reason I started this to, to bring the attention, bring the spotlight to some of those lesser known athletes and sports. Um, what we do today is a lot more aligned with that than, you know, the mobile app that we had launched back in the day. So um, in, a, in, a, in a very funny and, and uh partially depressing way we, we we came to to who we are today but um yeah it's been a journey without a doubt and, and journeys are fun right it's not about the destination it's about the journey we oh, throw out every freaking that saying i i hear, yeah. I hear I that everyone it. tells it that yeah dude, but, it, i mean it's, it's true it's true it's it, true, it's, but it's also bullshit. Like, let's be honest, man. It's I, I want to have a good destination. You have to be knowing. But in, in particularly in this case, I mean, you were working towards a destination that sounded sure. like it was going to help a lot of people, as you said, understanding the, the, the niche aspect of sports. There are people out there that want to pay attention solely to that San Diego State women's soccer team. Mm-hmm. There's people yeah. out there that want to pay attention to the Michigan State volleyball team. But unfortunately for you guys, that path to revenue where if you don't make enough money, you can't continue to help these people was not there. So in terms of, as you said, the way to promote the app. So really the storytelling aspect kind of more started as a a marketing ploy Mm -hmm. than anything else. And I guess at what point. At what point do you sit down with your other founders or do you sit down with, you know, the other people that are at the business with you or if it's just Mm -hmm. you at this point or, you know, Mm -hmm. some freelancers? How do you sit down and have that really difficult conversation of we got together to do this thing, it's working, but we can't figure out a way to get money. How do you then make that decision to go over and say, okay, now this is probably a better pathway to money. Mm -hmm. Let's abandon the thing we started to do to switch over to do something like this. Yeah, no, it's a great question. And I think it's actually one of the hardest things for any founder is to be honest with themselves mm-hmm. um, is to, I, I literally had a conversation yesterday with a friend of mine here in Lincoln um, who had a, you know, a consulting business, I guess. And um, he was very honest about, it. he said, I had, I don't know, 500 warm leads and it resulted in like one sale. Mm-hmm. And he was like, that's, it's just not happening. Right. 
But I think coming to those realizations is, is very, very difficult, especially when you're passionate about um, you know, what you're doing, what you're starting, because um, it is essentially a failure. It is essentially, you have, to, you have to admit that what you wanted to do, what you were passionate and set out to do, does not work out the way it does. And, it, and it's completely normal. I mean, the vast majority of businesses, the way they start, I mean, they have to iterate until they you know, really understand the market and figure out what people want and need, what they're willing to pay money for. Um, but you know, you come up with a lot of excuses in, in those early days and you're like, well, we didn't market this correctly. It wasn't the right time or we didn't do have a good conversion funnel from when we told these stories to, to getting users to download the app. I mean, we had a ton of excuses too. I made a ton of excuses and, and, and fortunately, in this case, at least fortunately, I was a, I was a solo founder and I had investors and stuff though that I, you know, um, have to talk to about this and, and it's um, difficult. It's absolutely difficult because, um, especially on the investor side, those people give you money to, to fulfill your dream and fulfill your passion. And I mean, granted, a lot of these people are aware how this, how this, you know, works and they're, they're, they're more betting on me rather than maybe the idea per se in those early stages. And it's not like, fortunately, I was responsible for, for putting food on their table and stuff either. But nonetheless, I mean, I grew up in a way where, where my parents, you know, they, they educated me in a way that whoever supports you on your, on your journey you got to be grateful for that and, and, and pay them back in, in whatever um, context. So, so, you know, not only coming to that realization, but then um, going down that path of, of pivoting um, is it, tough. It's very tough. And um, at this point, though, it, it was just simply, I mean, for me, it was a ton of, you know, sitting down and, and, and looking into this and, and really figuring out how can we get to, to you know, revenue to profitability with the app. And, and there were a couple of options and just none of them seemed like a good idea um, at that time. I mean, sure, I could have raised more capital, built a team and, and or tried to raise more capital, build a team and, and figure this out. Uh, but I don't know. And, and, and rightfully, you know, as I said, when we started telling these stories, my heart was in that, too. And it was during a time when, when you know, a company like the Players Tribune uh, really um, became more popular. And, and it was just so interesting and fascinating to me as a as a fan purely um to learn about you know some of these great athletes from a completely different angle um so yeah i mean it was just a you know a bunch of different factors kind of coming together but at the end of the day i'm just so passionate about about what i do and 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 and, and the industry and being an entrepreneur that for me it was uh, at the end of the day still a relatively easy call because i knew if i didn't uh commit to pivoting there wouldn't be a business in, in, you know, six months or so. So, I mean, we still have the app. We aren't doing anything with it anymore. So if any of the listeners want to, <laughs> um, you know, whatever, I'm just making this up. But, no, no, um, no. Someone wants to buy it. Just give me, you know. Exactly. Give me a call. Fee, we're good to go. How's that sound? No, I mean, that you never know what's happening. And that's one of the beauties, I think, too, of this, this within this entrepreneurial journey. It's just opportunities are, are everywhere. And, and um, you never know what's going to come out of this. But. Yeah, I mean, all of this led me to to, you know, what we do today. So, um, in a in a, you know, very very dark sense, this was all this was all good. Yeah. Um, hey, but, yeah. You're here now, as I said. You're on this show. Sincerely, how much higher can you get? But with with that, like, again, going going to that marketing ploy, essentially that marketing avenue, and seeing it, it mm -hmm. had to have worked in some capacity. What was it? 
and, and again, understanding your role, and I'm, I'm grateful that we got to talk about mm-hmm. that a little bit. And we'll, again, we'll continue to weave this into the conversation with, you know, you as an athlete, no one really knowing who you are. They'll look at your box score. They'll look at your statistics. They say, Chris mm-hmm. did a great job today or Chris sucks today. In reality, they didn't watch the game. They don't know exactly what happened or how it happened. With that and understanding you're passionate about that as well, why did you think this was the correct pivot? Why did Why was there no other pivots that you could do or or why did you believe that this was the right avenue to go down and was this one of a few things that was on the table or was this the one thing that you're like nope figured it out you know it sucks that we have to move but we're gonna we're gonna do this now well I, i think one of the best ways to figure out if you know what you want to do works or doesn't work is to actually do it so it's not like I was, you know, conducting six months of research and, mm-hmm. and did a thousand customer interviews and figured out, you know, if this is the right thing to do. Um, so it was still very passion driven. It was um, a low cost pivot in the sense of us, you know, pivoting towards this as a service model almost and, and, and really focusing on, the, on that storytelling piece um, and, and creating stories, which is really how this whole thing started. For the first couple of months, we just created some stories for the heck of it and, and didn't know if we wanted to be a media company or if we wanted to uh, offer this as a service, which is what we eventually decided to do. But um, I didn't know if it was the right pivot or not. I just, you know, went with my guts, uh, went with, you know, we the stories that we did produce when we were still using it to promote the app generate some great numbers as far as, you know, engagement, as far as uh, clicks and views and so forth. So we knew that this type of content drives quite a bit of eyeballs and quite a bit of interest. So um, we didn't have all the pieces together in the sense of, well, how can we turn this into revenue per se? But we knew that this is probably something that uh, we can turn into something um, that generates revenue. And it was when I started the, the app, I was not a developer, right? So I, I outsourced our core function, which is something I told myself I would never do again, um, because I'm a I'm a is, is workhorse a fair fair term in the English language? I'm not sure, but I love to work, and I work, you know, uh, uh, not sure if I'm allowed to cuss, but I s h i t ton of hours. Fine. No f bombs. Try and take the f bombs out. Everything else All right. is pretty much fine. Yeah. Okay, then some 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 shit ton of hours every single week. But um, where was I going with this? But workhorse, workhorse. I know. But where was I going with you this? Outsourced now you're the application. Outsourced. There you go. Again, because there you go. Because I was just sitting on my hands, right? I I, I couldn't with the app. I just there, there were things that I wanted to 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 change and wanted to fix, but I just couldn't. And it didn't matter if I wanted to work uh, ten hours, twelve hours a day. I just couldn't do it. So. I was, I was, you know, figuring out what I can do with my time and, and, and invested, uh, you know, um, in, into tasks and responsibilities that, that would advance the app. But for the most part, the, the, the technology piece, I just couldn't really help with that. So shifting towards that, that more content creation piece, which is really what it, the main focus was when we, when we pivoted for at first, that was my, that was my thing. And I could do that. And I've done this for, for a very long time. I was also, um, you know, I'm a self-taught graphic designer. So I, I started a graphic design discussion board back home in Germany with a couple of friends and we grew it to like the, the third largest in the country. So I had a really big passion for graphic design. So um, with this, with these uh, stories that we produce, we could, we could present them in a really cool and visually appealing way, which was also down my alley from a, from a UX and UI perspective. Um, we could create these cool social graphics to, to promote them on social media. So those were just all pieces that, that were more aligned with my strength and my and my um, 
you know tool set toolkit mm-hmm. really and and um yeah so so to answer your question i didn't have an answer whether or not this was the right thing to do but i knew that I just got to give it a try because I knew that the other thing wouldn't work. Um, did we talk about other options and other avenues? We did, but uh, nothing was, was as, as feasible or as, as intriguing as this path. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this path is very interesting. And then there's a couple paths of questions that I want to kind of travel down a little sure. bit here as well. So with um, let's start with you before we move on to the business again with, mm-hmm. with your, background with what you've done with what you've seen how did you when you were an athlete try and tell your story or was this where it, it did you not have that avenue did you not have that opportunity to tell your story and that's where this mm-hmm. you know love of telling other athletes mm-hmm. stories come in yeah I, I have to admit i was pretty bad at it um i was not big on social um i was not big on on you know, personal brand building in general, but 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 mostly because I just didn't know about it. It is something that isn't, uh, you know, talked talked about enough. I mean, now with you know, especially in college sports, with 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 NIL uh, rights changing next year, that becomes more and more of a popular discussion, which which I'm super stoked about, and that where we're going to play a big role in as well from a from a business perspective. But um, back when I was an athlete, which was 2008 to 2012. Um, it just wasn't a thing, or at least for me, it wasn't a thing. And and no one has given me, you know, the feeling that I should do this. Um, I I was a I was a good tennis player, but I you know never really had enough faith in my own ability to turn this into a pro career. So I I knew that okay after college you 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 know might continue to play a little bit on on a semi pro level, but um, I never saw the value of doing it myself. So, so I did a very poor job myself of, of telling my story. And that is actually something that, you know, today inspires me because um, I now see the value of people building their personal brands. And whether it's, you know, starting next year on the collegiate side for, for monetary reasons or just for, for you know, off the field stuff or, or just following your passion in general and, and connecting with an audience on a more, you know, personal and authentic level, it doesn't matter why, but, um, I just did a poor job with it. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And I think that that part, I, I think that's one of the more interesting parts because it's, it's something that you, you love doing now, but at the mm-hmm. time, I mean, when you're 18, 19, 20 surprise, you weren't really good at it yet. Right. Like yeah. It's it's one thing that we always kind of talk about these college kids and these college athletes as if they were, you know, 25 years old with fully developed brains. But in reality, that's not the case at all. They're friggin' 18 years old. They've been coddled most likely their whole lives, depending on the sport, of course. And, and, you know, it's just one of those frustrating things where in the media, we or they, however we want to say it, you know, kind of make it as if these kids should have all the answers. When in reality, I mean, I still don't have all the answers. I'm almost 29. You don't have all the answers. You're what? 29 and a half. Okay, 32. Uh, you said Yeah, mine too, actually. Mine's coming in nice. Uh-huh. But it's um it's just a very interesting, interesting concept. And I guess with that, we'll we'll continue to travel down that path a little bit more with mm-hmm. NIL, with some of these things that are happening. I know you work with schools like Alabama, you work with schools like Nebraska now and, and telling these stories. How mm-hmm. how are you able to go and how are you able to go and tell these stories in an authentic way when it's a, it's for a service rather than just as a media company? Does that does that question make sense? Yeah, I mean, we excuse me, we kind of when we do approach schools, we we almost pitch it in a way, hey, we want to be your own media company or part of your own media company because there's value in in uh, you know producing 
essentially acting like their own media company. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these, these these big power five schools, they do a fantastic job of, um, you know, producing really, really cool and really powerful content. But nonetheless, um, this in-depth uh, storytelling content, which is what we are mostly known for, which is going to be a part um, of our, uh, you know, how we want to tackle the NIL space, but it's not, it's, it's not all of it, right? It's one big piece of it, but um, that in-depth kind of storytelling content, it just takes time. Um, it is a time-consuming piece. It, it is um, not saying that these schools don't know how to do this themselves, but um, this is all we do, or, it's, it, or mm-hmm. we, like to call, we like to think of ourselves as experts in that space. Um, so we know how to extract a great story out of an athlete, out of a coach. Um, and, and, and they also feel very comfortable talking to us sometimes compared to talking to maybe a staff member or so, because, you know, it's just a different dynamic, I guess. So um, we just, you know, I mean, these conversations, again, like, like going back to what I said earlier, I mean, these conversations always start with, hey, what is it that you're trying to accomplish, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and then we can figure out if what we're doing, what our expertise is in is actually, you know, are we able to help with that or not? If a school wants to, wants to, you know, uh, push their recruiting efforts and, and, and come across as a more, um, as, as, as a, and, and kind of connect with recruits on a more, 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 you know, emotional and personal level and kind of show some behind the scenes stuff. Yeah, we can definitely help with that. Right. Um, if a school wants to, you know, uh, do a fundraising campaign and connect with donors again on a more on a more personal level and, and really show these donors where their money is going, the impact that money has had. Um, yeah, we can absolutely help with that. So, um, but at the end of the day, it, it has to align with what they're trying to accomplish. And, and um, these schools that we partner with, I mean, yeah, you, you, you name it, um, we, we work with some of the biggest and we work with uh, pretty small schools as well on, on D1 level. We even have D2 and D3 schools. Um, as, as partners, it's really just a matter of, um, you know, how can we, how can we help? And, and, and if our expertise really aligns with what they're trying to accomplish and we want to be known as a, a solution-driven uh, partner and, and not just, right, those are content creators, great, right? We want to be known as a solution-driven agency that, that just helps, um, you know, on, on a variety of different fronts. But this is kind of just our, our, our expertise, I guess, yeah. Yeah, and I think that that part's the most important, right? Is it's not just content for content's sake. It's fun, right? Like yeah. I, I do this because I like it. I don't make any money yeah. on it yet. One day, one day we'll get there. But I do this because it's fun, and I enjoy having conversations like this. But as you said, you're really taking it way to the next level. You're probably two, three, four, five steps above and ahead of most people because you're able to look at it from that. Okay, let's look at it from a strategic standpoint. How can mm-hmm. we make sure that whatever you're trying to accomplish, we can do that through the aspect of content. Now, most people just mm-hmm. think it's like, oh, you put out good content, people will watch it and you can sell advertising right. against it, which is true. But if there's better things that you want to do with that and you want to accomplish a specific goal, that is also a possibility. Mm-hmm. And that's where you guys come in, which I think is pretty cool. And and sticking on the NIL discussion, just for a couple, uh, couple more minutes, mm-hmm. how do you see... Have, I'm assuming once that discussion started coming up, you know, the NCAA, they'd never let it happen. They'd never let it happen. Mm-hmm. All right, they'll look into it all right, it looks like it's going to happen next year, right? Like, it's funny mm-hmm. how the NCAA is useless and, and you know, none of us really like them. We just kind of have to deal with them at this point. Um, how do you talk to these schools about this opportunity? Because again, right, it's the schools that are hiring you. I don't think it's mm-hmm. any of these 18, 19, 20-year-old kids that aren't allowed to work are mm-hmm. hiring you. It's the schools. So how do you talk to the schools about this opportunity to get them to understand 
it's more money. It's more, it's better recruiting. It's more opportunity for the kids. They can be mm -hmm. happier, which again will then lead to better play, potentially better grades and then more recruiting. Yeah. It's, 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 a, it's a cycle, right? Doing yeah. this one thing will, will start this loop over and over mm -hmm. and over again. How do you discuss these opportunities with the schools, especially like the Alabamas mm -hmm. of the world? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think now um, schools are very much aware of, yes. um, hey, we need to be a part of this and we need to be able to prepare for it, even if they um, I mean, it, it's still pretty blurry in, in a lot of areas. Right. Yeah. But they know, especially you, you see some of the big programs you saw in Nebraska being kind of like a pioneer in this, um, you know, Clemson, you had an Oklahoma State. Like you see some of these power five schools are already making these types of decisions and partnering with companies to to help with their brand building from you know a variety of angles but it, it's almost like a fomo already right like like the fear of missing out like hey if two of our other conference uh mm -hmm. schools um decide to do something we can't be can't be falling behind because um it all the vast majority of it comes down to recruiting right if you recruit um top talent in the country and that that kid looks at five different schools and and three of those have a program in place that will help him uh, monetize his his uh, you know his 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 brand. Um, it's just a different different mm -hmm. variable that that will whether we like it or not play a humongous factor in in student athletes' decision moving forward. So um, it's really not a hard uh, play as far as convincing mm -hmm. them of the value. It's more a matter of a discussion in terms of okay. Because this is new for everyone, right? What is it that that you know? How can we best help, right? Like we have our solution in place from you know, like the, the cool thing for us is that that a lot of these these uh, services, I guess, that will come into play there are things that that we are doing um, for years. Whether it's on the content creation side, whether it's on the on the graphic design and personalized content side, whether it's on the website creation and, and, and branding and logo design kind of piece, which we do for, for a lot of other brands and stuff, right? So bringing this all together isn't necessarily the hard piece. It's more like figuring out what is it that, that really adds most value to you um, and being that trusted partner that they can rely on that that will really, you know, be there for their student athletes 24-7, as weird as it sounds, and answer those questions and make sure uh, brand safety is happening and compliance is, is you know, uh, mm -hmm. happy and can sleep at night uh, calmly, you know, these types of things. So, and, and a lot of schools are, don't want to be a first mover. They want to be a second mover and see kind of how, um, you know, others are doing it, which is perfectly fair too. So um, right now it's just a ton of having these discussions and figuring out what it is that, that, that adds most value and then um, seeing how we can tackle this. But um, I don't know, I'm just, you know, personally incredibly stoked um, for, for, for athletes to have that opportunity. And, and again, this is maybe where a little bit of my, you know, soft spot for, for Olympic sports kicks in too. I mean, obviously I, I love the, the opportunity for those, you know, football players and basketball players and, and, you know, other stars that have, let's say a large social following and figure out, you know, how they can monetize that for instance. But also I'm thinking of, of the tennis players, the track athletes, the, the softball players, the soccer players, the wrestlers and so forth that, um, maybe don't have, you know, the, the, the social following per se, but uh, still want to, want to, you know, maybe have a passion for launching their own podcast or, or want to give, give, give lessons or, or their own cams or just want to, you know, figure out a way how they can build their personal brand for, for employment purposes later on. Right. So to be seen and to be heard some, somehow, you know, just really helping these athletes to um, 
figure out how they can do a better job of telling their story, how to develop a brand statement and, and really understand and, uh, that, hey, I'm a brand too. Um, it's going to be super exciting. So, yeah. Yeah, athletes need to understand that they are a brand now, whether they like it or not. That's just kind of how it goes. Whatever you put on social media, it's it has to be on brand, really. And if it's not, then people are going to get confused and not understand. And so it almost sounds like you guys as a, uh, you know, content for service type business. It also sounds like there's a lot of like consulting involved, too, with it sounds like people are reaching out to you. Hey, should I should I not? post this should i should i not talk about this do you get those questions a lot especially as you said from from even the athletes yeah i mean i mean to your earlier point you said you you, you might not think that the individual athletes might be a market but i actually mm-hmm. think they will be um whether it's on the collegiate level mm-hmm. or even earlier on the on the high school level to help them maybe the goal is a different one in this case to 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 be recruited right or to to be seen by by other True. schools yeah. um but to, to answer your question, especially when it comes to, to you know, the upcoming NIL changes, education will play a humongous part, um, whether it's teaching athletes how to develop their brand or how to manage their brand or, or you know, what to pay attention to when they do get approached by, by a company or, or I mean, there, there are so many, you know, things to this that, that, that you know, it, it has to be, uh, has to start from an educational point of view or a consulting piece or whatever you want to call it. Um, so, do athletes, I mean, we, we stay in a lot of, you know, we stay in touch with a lot of the athletes that we do uh, stories for and help them kind of, you know, mm-hmm. figure those things out. And we've been approached by quite a few athletes about, hey, can you help me build my website or can you help me build my my logo and stuff? Or, um, hey, can you, I, I'm not really good on social. Can you help me figure out how to, um, you know, what kind of content to produce or kind of help develop a, a content strategy almost and, and uh, these kinds of pieces. And, and just bringing those all together, I think it's going to be, you know, Again, I know I'm repeating myself here, but but just stoked for it, yeah. Stoked. I love that. I haven't heard that stoked. word. I watched Johnny Tsunami oh. a couple of weeks ago. It was awesome. I think they said it in I'm there. A, but um, my vocabulary is limited, so I gotta I, I gotta it. use all the tools hey, I have. Keep keep doing what you're doing, man. You're the storyteller here. You're you're good to go. And, <laughs> and so with that, I mean, I think that that opens up a lot. And you're you're totally right. Before I was thinking about it of your current clientele, but you're you're completely mm-hmm. correct in saying you know now with nil because now those kids, yeah, they wanted to go to Texas before. But there's probably a better chance to make a couple bucks at Texas than at Texas mm-hmm. State. No, no, you know, qualms with Texas State. But and then also the opposite is true too. If you're the big man on campus at Texas State, maybe it is that mm-hmm. frozen yogurt shop that yeah. wants to pay you money to come yeah, exactly. their frozen yeah. yogurt. So I think it goes both ways. I think NIL is gonna be very it's gonna be way less bad for English purposes. I'll I'll use those words. <laughs> um way less bad than what a lot of people think is gonna happen. I think mm-hmm. the fact that it's just silly when you think that a college athlete can't monetize their social mm-hmm. media, but a college student can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like just because he's on the team, just because he's a tennis player mm-hmm. or a football player or a basketball player, he's not allowed. But it's like, well, that's my social media. I've been building it since I was seven. Yeah. Why the hell can you tell me that I can't use my social media yeah. to promote yeah. myself? It's just very confusing. Yeah. And I don't understand the argument against it, honestly, at this point. Sure. I'm glad we've made it to the point where these kids are allowed to get paid for their name, image, and likeness. For sure. That's it. Yeah, That's for sure. it. I mean, I mean, also, like like one area that I'm thinking about a lot and that we really want to help with, too, is just entrepreneurship, right? Mm-hmm. Um, as an entrepreneur myself, I mean, I know so many student-athletes that, that you know, want to start their own business. But I know there was a story a couple of years ago, and, and actually I shouldn't even bring this up because I can't recall who it was or what it was about, but it was a student-athlete that had this – 
thought it was gonna be like salacious or something but all right you're good. no i wish but i'm sorry but it, w- it was about a kid in college who i think he developed his own water bottle and and don't quote me on this but um and he i don't know i think he posted with it somehow on social and and he wasn't allowed to promote his own product right that he developed and and you know, you, you, you're you're taking these streams almost or you, you're telling these student athletes to kind of postpone, you know, their dreams almost to a degree because they can't really pursue it. Um, and I think that's just that's just crushing, too. And again, thinking of, you know, a lot of these athletes that, that may not have the, the, the social presence to to do so um, to, to monetize it. But I mean, even for for, you know, the, the, the quarterback um, with 50,000 followers, sure, he can monetize social, mm-hmm. but. At the same time, maybe he has aspirations too to to start something, right? And just just I don't know. There there's just so much, so many, you know, so much opportunity and so much awesomeness about this. So yeah, awesomeness. There we go. There's some another, more another word. I'm learning it. words. And I, I think you're to, you're totally correct. There's so many different avenues that these these athletes they're they're put up on a stage. Why just because they go to college they can't mm-hmm. utilize that stage like anybody else? So I think it's very important. Totally. And you know, shout out to you guys for. Uh, acknowledging that noticing it and again you're coming from that background and seeing like hey this is it's different than someone like myself just saying this is a great idea it's it's when you 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 went through it for multiple years Mm -hmm. you literally lived it and now you can say this is what i think is wrong and these are the things that i think i can fix i think that part is really important it could definitely help a lot of these athletes along the way and so i appreciate that chris thank you for doing what you do. So more, I guess, just to continue down this path a little bit more, I guess, maybe not this path, but we're going to take like a left and then probably a right, I think, um, with, with deciding. So before we spoke about how you were kind of on the fence, do we make this a media company? Do we make this a content for service company or whatever we want to call it, however you use it? What were the determining factors in that understanding that, as you were saying before, the strategy and and everything else, you kind of had to learn that along the way. That's not why you got into originally starting this business. You got into it to help fans of specific teams and players find a little bit more about uh, about these teams and these players. Why didn't you just continue down the media path and say, let's just pump out as many awesome stories as we can and get advertisers to pay against it yeah. because we're getting so many views and this, that, and the other thing. Yeah. Why did you decide against that and went with the service yeah. model? Yeah, I mean... Honestly, the, the main reason was probably because I was a little bit um, scared is the wrong word here, but but I, I that, that was our business model for the app, monetized mm-hmm. traffic. Okay. Um, so I was a little bit, you know, branded almost in the sense that, hey, I don't want to do this again. I don't want to, once again, bet on, you know, creating enough content that we get to a point where we can, you know, monetize traffic and, and bring in advertisers and so forth. So I was a little narrow-minded, too, as far as, you know, this is the only way to to monetize a, a media company mm-hmm. uh, back in the day. So, um, but but long story short, the, the main reason for this was simply uh, the, the path that I saw to, to revenue, to profitability, whatever you want to call it. So as a service agency, I could create a database tomorrow and run an email campaign and see if something sticks, right? And if, I mean, our first client was a was a Division three school here in Nebraska um, that wanted us to create, I think, you know, 10 stories about athletes for, um, you know, campus recruiting, essentially, to kind of leverage college sports as a driver for, for uh, recruiting, student recruitment. Um, and we came up with this campaign and so forth. And I mean, that was, you know, two months or three months after we pivoted. And I know that I would have not been able to to monetize traffic three months after launching a media company. Now, 
Today, we are actually leveraging a lot of the stories that we create and kind of create our own uh, story platform, whether it's uh, content hosted on our side or whether it's just, you know, linking to those individual. Um, a lot of times when we when we partner with a school, for instance, we create uh, a storytelling platform for them that we populate with content. So um, on our very own uh, side, we kind of, you know, um, link out to, to help drive traffic, additional traffic. And I mean, again, if you think of, of NIL, I mean, when you think of branded content, for instance, I mean, no school is allowed to to host, you know, um, branded content um, on their on their sites with a, with an athlete. They can't be um, really affiliated with that. So, you know, that opens up another opportunity for, you know, for 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 us to kind of tap it, tap in there. But um, yeah, to answer your question, it was really just mostly a matter of. Um, man, I don't want to go down this path right now again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just want to figure out a way to make money. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And and where did you and how did you learn that strategic storytelling aspect? How did you, I'm, I'm sure there was a lot of hits and misses, especially in the beginning, <laughs> because it was, oh, yeah. hey, you know, this, we can drive traffic to this specific app. We can do this. We can mm-hmm. do that. How did you, how did you learn that? Because I, I feel like that's not like super inherent in somebody mm-hmm. unless you are very much studying media and understanding how clickbait yeah. works and how how this aspect of it works. Like, yeah. how long did yeah. it take for you to guys to feel really comfortable to be able to go to schools like Alabama and, and say, "Hey, we can do this. We're confident. Let us, you know, mm-hmm. let us work for you." Yeah, yeah. I think trial and error again is is a, is a great. I mean, if I think through our first story, I mean, actually, one of the very very first stories that we've done for uh, the Division three school I talked about, Nebraska Wesleyan, is to date one of our most powerful stories that we've ever done. And it was about a, a football player with, you know, a thousand followers maybe, but his story was just, I mean, literally they should make a movie of that story. And, and I'll give you the quick um, summary here, but he was a football player that had never scored a touchdown. Um, and he, um, he went to Nebraska Wesley because of his girlfriend who ended up breaking up with him and he became suicidal and he wanted to uh, take his own life. And he had lost, um, I think a, a cousin or so prior to that uh, to suicide. So he was in a really, really dark place. And he talks about how uh, the football team actually helped him kind of through it. And then a week before his final football game um, for the school, his ex called him up and told him that her brother had committed suicide. And then in his last game that he dedicated to that person, mm-hmm. He scored the game-winning touchdown in the final drive of the play, which was his Ooh. first touchdown in school history. I mean, and that I story, I mean, Ooh. yeah, mm. that story was, was organically shared over 300 times uh, within 24 hours, right? I mean, it kind of went viral, right? So um, the, the, the distribution piece, which is a, a big piece that we help with as well, often for, for, for a school like Alabama, for instance, we, we aren't involved on the distribution side. Yeah. I mean, they, they use their channels and stuff, but... We had others where, you know, hey, we do a lot of influencer campaigns, for instance, too, uh, with athletes, or we, we do paid media stuff, right, to kind of really figure out how we can uh, drive drive distribution here a little bit. But um, to to answer your question, what was your question? Man, I'm sometimes I'm rambling on. What was your question? Uh, how did you learn the strategic aspect? Oh, yeah. Uh, so uh, You're doing great, it, though. I love that story. That is an incredible story, by the way. Yeah, no, it was really cool. But, I mean, that was, you know, a little bit of luck too. Um, we just, if you read some of the other stories that we did at first, you're like, oh man, come on, 
who wants to read that? I mean, we, we, we don't we don't just do written content. We also yeah. do video content and audio content, whatever. But we started as, as written content for the most part. So it was really just, you know, figuring out what is it that audiences want? What type of content do they actually, you know, resonate with? Um, how do we get athletes in this case to also open up and talk about, you know, I mean, hey, you're a stranger calling you. Tell me about your suicidal thoughts from two years ago. I mean, yeah. you know. You, you have to figure out how to how to open up to them so they share you know their personal stories um we for instance one thing that we do a lot is we have a, a, a two-sided or, or a dual review process in place so that never so that no uh, content is ever published without a storyteller's approval mm -hmm. and b uh, client approval um we do write these stories from a from a first person narrative um just to kind of add more authenticity and personality to these stories, kind of similar to the way a player's Tribune does it. Um, so we, we, all of these variables, we kind of, you know, that review piece um, makes people more comfortable to open up what it is that, that, that fans look for and, and, and audiences engage with, um, you know, the writing style. Um, we, we also, when, when, we, when we publish these stories, we, we care a lot about reading experience. So there's a ton of imagery and, and quotes and stuff to really make it a, a, an easy reading experience for written content, for example. So all these variables just kind of fell into place after, you know, doing this for a while and figuring out um, what people like and what they don't like. And, and yeah, so I didn't go to school for it. I didn't, I didn't read 12 books about it. I didn't, you know, talk to a guru about it. I just, you know, it was just trial and error. Yeah. It's impressive, man. And I think that part is, um, Again, that's the entrepreneur in you, right? Figuring out you, you had an idea, you really love the idea of being able to tell these stories. And then once you start telling these stories, I'm sure that increased your thirst for wanting to figure out how to tell them better and, oh, and, sure. and get your clients the best possible results. Because then what happens? You get more clients, you can tell more stories, you can do exactly yeah. what you want to do. Um, yeah, and I think, exactly. again, yeah. going back to those cycles, man, yeah. if you can hit, if you can just get it right into that wheelhouse, you'll be good to go, man. So, and it, that's, yeah. Yeah, I mean, our, our writers, the same thing, right? Like, I mean, we are very careful about um, the writers that work for us because it is a different type of writing, right? And we've gone through a ton of writers where we're like, hey, you're a great writer, but this is just not yeah. the style that we're looking for. I mean, those stories that we've been, for instance, again, on the writing piece, it's just very conversational. It's just really easy to read. And, and we, we ignore some of the journalistic rules and stuff just for the sake of, you know, user experience or reader experience. And um, it's just it just requires a different different style. So even finding those writers, you know, was a little bit of a journey. But now we have a great you know team of writers, and and you know, again, this is just all iterative process. You mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that part is very important too. And it's not just writing, right? You have video producers, no, we do video podcasters. You have everybody have because a, obviously now keep going. Yeah. Sorry, no, I was just saying we have a we have a relatively big network of creatives that mm -hmm. um, you know it's full of writers, videographers podcasters, uh, photographers, cinematographers that we essentially can fall back. And, and they're, they're as vetted and as carefully selected as the writers are, right? Where we've done projects with them to see kind of, you know, does that align with who we are and what we stand for? Um, and then based on on client needs and ones, I mean, yeah, athletic departments is our, is our biggest client, but we work with uh, some professional sports teams. We work with, with you know, regular companies and, and, and brands. We work with um, you know, governmental organizations, we work with uh, governing bodies, we work with nonprofits. I mean, um, sports is our expertise and esports. Um, but 
um, yeah, to answer your question, you're absolutely right. We do have, um, you know, we do, we do have talent for all, all different sorts of, of content formats. Yeah. And you're doing something right, man. Chris, this was an awesome conversation. Thank you, dude. Appreciate it. No, yeah. man, I really enjoyed this. Yeah. I think so. We're about at 50 minutes. I mean, I, I pretty much hit everything on my list. Was there anything you think we might have missed? Anything you want to touch upon at the end? But Because I think we got to the NIL yeah. stuff pretty quick, and that would have been yeah. the way to end it. But I think we did a killer job. And thank you, man. Again, Christopher Amuler. Perfect. Yeah, you got it. It. I usually I usually mess it up at the end. Christopher Amuler, CEO and founder of FanWord, um, German national champion for tennis. Didn't really get to too deep into that, but I'm glad we got to touch upon your story That's a little fair. bit. Uh, Chris, where can everybody find you on the internet? Um, LinkedIn is probably where I'm most active. Um, they can, you know, always reach out and send a send a you know connection request. Um, I'm on Twitter, um, which I you know use not as much as i probably should but i'm getting yeah. more into it but uh linkedin is word. my twitter's i do like twitter and in sports i like twitter too yeah. so i gotta say but but linkedin is probably the way to go and yeah i mean to all listeners you know whether you you work for a school or a team or a company or just want to touch base i always love to love to connect with folks in that in that industry um always enjoy these conversations so um everyone is more than welcome to reach out and, and connect so yeah that's awesome, man. I, I really appreciate having you on. Uh, it was an absolute blast to get to know you a little bit more and get to figure out a little bit more about your story. Uh, just saying thank you to everyone in the chat right now. Really appreciate everyone hanging out with us along the way. But sincerely, this was absolutely fantastic. So make sure to go follow Chris. Make sure to do that. If you're listening on the audio podcast, make sure to give us a five-star review. We always appreciate those as well. But for Chris, for myself, sincerely appreciate it. And hope you guys all have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day.